Come and do that, okay? Come do that. All right, so by the video, you know that I'm talking about trust today. And uh, whenever I was uh, first thinking about what I was going to talk about, I had some other things in mind, but, you know, what came to mind and what came in my heart just over and over again was the word trust. And so I started studying it out, thinking about, okay, what am I going to... What am I going to say about trust? And uh, the first thing I did is thought about the word faith. If, if anybody, if you've been in church very often or very long, you know, uh, or at least if you're like me, the words trust and faith just kind of kind of go together. You know, I trust, I have faith, and I have faith, and I trust. And so I thought, well, I'll, I'll study faith out first. And so I went to uh, probably the most uh, common uh, scripture that you're going to go to if you're looking for the word faith, and that is Hebrews 11.1. 1. And it says, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. We all know that scripture, don't we? Or m- most of us know that scripture, don't we? So it's pretty good. I mean, there's a, there's a whole lot to that. So you've got the substance of things hoped for. So the things that we have in the future that we're looking for, the things that we want in our lives, we... We, it's substance. It, it becomes substance in us because we have this hope. We have this faith, and then the evidence of things not yet seen or things not seen. So we are looking at the invisible part of uh, God's kingdom, right? And we're looking at God who is invisible, and we're looking at the Spirit and those things that are working. And as we do, as as we engage our faith in that. Uh, in that way, then we see the evidence of that, and it's in our lives, and it's in our beliefs, and it's those things. So that's a, that's a big part of it. So I thought, well, I'll look at the word faith. And uh, so I looked at the word faith and looked it up in the Greek, and it says, is it up there? Yes. So it's the word pistis, and it is the um, moral conviction of truth or assurance so I, I thought about this word. So it's a moral conviction of truth. It's a belief. It's I know that I know that I know. And this is the faith. This is faith. And so we are believing in something. It's a state of where we are, faith. And then we, uh, and we take a look at the assurance that we have. And so I went back and forth on this, and I thought, well, I'm going to look at trust. And so I looked up trust, and, and I noticed that trust is so often used in the Old Testament, not so much in the New Testament, which makes sense. In the New Testament, we're founded by faith. We're saved by grace through faith, right? Right? And so when I went to the Old Testament and took a look, I went to my, my favorite scripture. It's actually my life scripture. Uh, Pastor Albert talked about it last week. I was hoping he didn't steal my thunder, and he didn't. But... Uh, you know, he talked about uh, Hebrews, or I'm sorry, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which is my life scripture. And if, if you don't have a life scripture, I, I encourage you to get one. Uh, it's, it's a scripture that you base your life on. It's something that you can, it resonates with your faith and, and where you are in your walk. If you don't have one, uh, I, I'll nominate this one. You can, you can have this one. I'll share it with you. But it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, and in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Another uh, translation says he'll make your paths straight. And, you know, when I think about this scripture, I think, 
You know, this is a very important scripture for us as Christians. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And that kind of goes along with faith, right? So we do see there's a commonality between the two. So I looked up the word trust in the Hebrew. Now this is Old Testament, so I looked it up in Hebrew, and it's the word batak. And the word batak, it means to go quickly or to run to refuge. So it's a little bit different connotation. It's a little bit different. So we had faith, which is a moral conviction of truth. It's believing, it's understanding. But then we look at the word trust, and it's to run quickly, to go quickly. And so if you were to insert that word or insert that description for the word trust, so you would say instead of trust in the Lord, you would say go quickly or run to refuge in the Lord. And it, and it, almost, it, it almost talks about it. It takes a different shape on that scripture then when you look at it because now you're, you're, you're looking at it and go, okay, Run to refuge in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. And so it, it kind of shows that, you know, there is a place in our lives when things don't make sense, or when there's an impending danger. Have we ever been there? Anybody felt that way? When there's fear and when, when we just don't understand what's going on, it says run quickly to the Lord. Run quickly to shelter, to refuge in the Lord. So I grew up in uh, Oklahoma, northern Oklahoma, and uh, they called it Tornado Alley. Um, I remember them talking about that when I grew up in science class and history class. They always said Tornado Alley. It just seemed like everybody was real proud of being that. Um, (laughs) It it wasn't that exciting uh, until the tornadoes came, of course. But I've seen several tornadoes in my life, and and in the town we lived in, they had several uh, sirens strategically placed throughout the town. They'd be real tall up in the air, and they'd uh, blare every time a tornado warning came. And anybody familiar with those? Anybody seen those? Yeah. So anyway, so <clears throat> this was one of those uh, towns where that happened. And, you know, when the tornado warning come, we'd hear that. And... The, the purpose behind that is every time they sound through the town, then the citizens, the residents of the town, are to go quickly to refuge, okay? Now, in our town, when the sirens went out, we went quickly to the porch and uh, looked at the clouds, <laughs> waited, waited for that to happen. But that's, you know, actually what we were supposed to do is go there and and so a lot of houses had shelters, uh, basements in the house, and then we would have tornado shelters uh, that would be, you know, just a little box. I think I've got a picture of it. There it is coming up right there. And it's called the refuge. And uh, these are boxes that you bury in the, in the yard, or you can actually put it uh, in your garage. And the purpose of this is just to fit your family and your pets and whatever small keepsake items you, you want to save and take those down in there whenever the tornado comes and then it'll protect you during that time. And uh, I had a friend of mine who actually built these things. And so I went to his shop one day to see how they did it and I looked at the construction and it was just cool how they made it and welded it all together and coated it and everything. And at that time, I had faith 
that those things, that it was going to do the job that it was intended to do. I had faith that it was there. I believed it in that truth, that it could do that. However, put me in a situation where the tornado warning is going, the sirens are blaring, and now I'm grabbing my family because I've been on the porch and I see it coming my way, and I grab the family and everything, and then we go down into the shelter, and now I am trusting that shelter with the lives of my family. Do you see the kind of the difference I'm trying to, trying to share today? Okay. So with that in mind, let's go to, I want to go to uh, the Old Testament. You don't need to go to the scriptures. I'm just going to tell you a story. I'm going to paraphrase it. Uh, we all know the story of Abraham and Sarah. And Abraham was taken out of his homeland, and he was taken to, well, we saw a video of it, didn't we, uh, where Pastor Scott and Pastor Albert were, to the promised land. And before, everybody, before it was all famous, uh, God took Abraham there. And Abraham was there, and he said, all this land, as far as you can see, belongs to you. And also, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And so Abraham's going, good, great, here I am. All this land belongs to me, father of many nations. Let's go. And then time goes on. And time goes on. And no kids. And no kids. And so Abraham gets a little, little disturbed about it. And he's, you know, what, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And God takes him and reminds him. We're going to do this. And there's this one night in the scripture where Abraham is there and it's dark outside. And God, he's just saying, God, is this ever going to happen for me? And God takes him outside and puts his arm around him and says, look up at the stars. Can you count them? That's how many kids you're going to have. And it says in the scripture, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Right? He believed him. He said, yes, yes, I believe you. And then he goes back in the tent and he's all excited. Yes, God told me this. He promised me this. And time goes on and time goes on. And we don't know how long it was. It's actually just another chapter in uh, the next chapter over. Uh, but we don't know how many years went by. But Sarah says, hey, Abraham, I've been to the mirror. <laughs> And it's not looking too promising from where I see. And uh, I really don't know what we're going to do. Maybe what we need to do is um, bring Hagar into the picture. And you can have a kid with Hagar. Maybe, Abraham, the promise is for you, but it's not for me. Can you kind of see that conversation happening? Have you ever been in a situation in your life where you felt that way, where it's just not making sense? You, you know that you know that you know that this thing is true, but it's just not happening. It's not happening in our time. And the, and the reason why I think, I think that is because we, are, we ourselves get in this place where we're looking at what's going on around us and it's just not matching up with what we believe God is saying. And there's a difference between faith and trust. See, faith is believing that God can do something. Trust is allowing Him to do it. Right? 
Faith is believing God can do something. Trust is allowing Him to do it. And so here they are. They, they decide that they're going to uh, bring in Hagar. Of course, Hagar then, now she's with child, and she brings forth Ishmael. And we know the story, and God comes, and He says, that's not it. That wasn't my plan. And so now, we've got Ishmael in the picture. Eventually, Isaac comes, but now we've got this turmoil, and it's still a turmoil today. Right? We've got the children of Ishmael and the children of Isaac all fighting over who got that promise. And it's still going on today, so those consequences hold, hold true. But, you know, I think what happens is we tend to lose our trust when our expectations are not aligned with God's plan. Because we have an expectation of how it's come, especially in this society, we, we, we turn on the TV and we get the news. And if we don't have the news on the TV, we can Google it. We, we get our answers just this quick, right? If I don't have something to eat and I need something to eat, I just head down to the store. Amen. The only thing in my way is a little bit of traffic. And sometimes there can be a lot of traffic. But we just we, we get stuff immediate. It's immediate gratification. But that's not how God works. It's not how He worked with Abraham and Sarah. And sometimes His answers don't come in the shape and form that we thought they were going to come in. And so we can lose trust in that, and we begin to do things our way, and pretty soon we've spawned an Ishmael. That's a bad place to be. Bad place to be. All right. Any dog owners in here? Yeah? You know, I like dogs. We've actually got three little dogs. If you've ever been to our house, um, you've met our dogs, and you've pet our dogs. They'll see to it that you will. They're your friend, whether you want them to be or not. That's, that's our dogs. But, you know, there's an interesting thing about our dogs and it, it really frustrates me from time to time because here's what they do. Anytime we leave the house for any time whatsoever, we, it can be just going to the store, going to get the mail. It doesn't matter how long we're gone. When we come back, they're right there at the door, and they're barking, and their body's kind of doing this thing. And they're, they're like, where you been? Where you been? Well, I was checking the mail. Well, we were all worried about you. We didn't know where you went. We didn't know you were coming back. We didn't know when we would eat again. We got in the trash. See? It's in the kitchen. True story. And, and it's crazy. And, and, you know, we got a big family. We're moving in and out and things like that. And always somebody coming and going. But, you know, I've, I've observed this amazing phenomenon with the dogs, and it's even if we're all home and one person's gone, like, like Jeannie, if she's gone, we'll be in the house, everybody's there, the dogs should be perfectly happy with that, but they're not. And it's like they do a head count, and they're just, hey, somebody's gone, who's gone? Oh, it's mom, she's gone. I wonder if she's coming back. I don't know. And they're watching the door, and then they hear a noise, and the ear pops up. Little tail wags. Am I the only one that ever notices this kind of stuff? 
And then the door opens, and, and of course, there they go running. Where you been? Where you been? But you know, I, I think I've figured it out. Because I've tried to reason with the dogs. I really have. <laughs> honest, honest truth. I, I really have tried to. I've stood there, and they're barking and wagging. And, and I just say, listen, this is my house. I live here. I'm not going anywhere. I leave. I come back. I leave. I come back. I haven't let you down once, but they don't care. Where you been? Where you been? We were worried. And you know, I, I think it's because they, they live in this state of now, right? The state of now. And they're just, they're just looking at their surroundings, and they're not paying attention to history, and they don't, they don't care about my character. All they know is they all left, and we're all by ourselves. And what are we going to do about it? And we're worried until they come back. And I think we do that in our lives. I think we get into situations where we're wondering. Has anybody asked, where are you, God? Anybody said that? Where are you, God? I don't know where you are, Lord. I thought this was going to happen. But see, the thing that we need to keep in mind is the same God that we are trusting today, the same God we're crying out to today, is the same God that created the universe. He's the same God that brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. He's the same God that brought Jesus. He's the same God that was up on the cross. The same God that died, was buried, raised again, gave us the Holy Spirit. It's the same God. Right? And so instead of living in our nowness, maybe we can think about the character of God. Maybe we can break through and go, you know what? It can happen. It can happen. No Ishmael this time. You know, uh, <clears throat> several years ago, my wife and I moved to a small town in Oklahoma. You mind if I come out here? We moved to a small town in Oklahoma and to start up a ministry, and it was, it was awesome. Uh, we bought the old Presbyterian parsonage to live in, and uh, we leased out the old Presbyterian church. And uh, in one side of the church, Jeannie put a crisis pregnancy center, and the other side of the church, uh, I put a Christian coffee house. Mr. John would have been envious. <laughs> And it was awesome. It was an outreach, and we were meeting people, and we were doing great things. Now, I didn't get paid for it, and Jeannie didn't get paid for it, and we were pumping money into the ministry, so I still had to work during the day. And I worked about 20 miles away, and we had one vehicle, and we needed a car. And we needed uh, to be able to... I had, I had to get back and forth to work. Jeannie had to do her stuff during the day. And so I... Uh, saw a friend of mine, and his son was selling his car because he was going to the service. And so I thought, this is a great opportunity. I went over, looked at the car, and it was perfect. Um, it was a 1970 Volkswagen Beetle, uh, gray primer for paint. Uh, it was happening. It, it was happening. That was my car. And uh, so I bought that. It was just a few hundred bucks, and we got the car, and then uh, went, went home, and now we got two cars. Now things are going right. We're, we're doing this outreach ministry. You know, we're the American missionaries. <laughs> right? We're doing this. I'm working uh, during the day. 
everything's going, moving and shaking. It's all, it's all happening. We're meeting people. People are getting saved. It's great. Well, one day I got a phone call, and it was my mom, and uh, she's, she's uh, talking to me on the phone about my sister. And uh, my sister and her husband have, or did have, a uh, supply company. And so they would make deliveries all around town, and that, that was their business and how they did it. Well, they were having some struggles financially. Their, their vehicle, personal vehicle, wasn't running right. Their uh, delivery truck, which was a converted mail delivery truck, you know, like the mailman drives, the steering wheel on the right side, um, that's what they had, and the engine blew out. And it, they couldn't fix it, and they couldn't afford another one. They didn't have credit. And if they couldn't make deliveries... They were stuck. They weren't going to have any income, and it was desperate. And so my mom's talking to me, and she's talking in, the, in my ear, and then God's talking to my heart. And God says, you need to help them. And so I'm thinking about this, and I'm going, I don't have any money. We just bought a house. We just put all this money in the, in the uh, ministry. I just bought this car. We don't have any savings. It's gone. And uh, I don't know what to do, and, and uh, God's... God says, you need to give them a car. I'm like, oh man, I just got that new car. I just got that thing. And you know how you, you're wrestling and my mom's talking and I'm not listening. I'm, I'm in a world this big right now. And so I'm thinking about everything that's going on and what God wants to do. And I think about the, the new car and I'm going, yeah, the Volkswagen is not big enough to deliver anything, and I'm, I'm reasoning through this stuff in my mind, and God very clearly says, you need to give them the van. Oh, no. That's our best car. That's our best car, and it's no ordinary van either. It's a conversion van. You guys remember those? Conversion vans? Has the, the carpet all throughout. Drapes on the windows, <laughs> running boards, <laughs> captain's chairs that spin around. You can turn around and watch the TV in the back. I told you we were the happening family. <laughs> but I'm wrestling with this, and I'm having a hard time. I really am. And so I get off the phone, and, uh, and I'm going, okay, God, well, if you want to do this, I'm okay, but you and me... Now we've got to convince my wife. <laughs> and uh, so I said, God, I, whatever you've got to do. And so I go in to Jeannie, and I'm, I'm talking to her and telling her the story about my sister and the situation. And I go, and uh, I think God wants us to give him our van. And I'll never forget this. She didn't bat an eye. She just says, okay, well, if God wants us to do that, that's what we'll do. Okay. So we grabbed the keys, grabbed the kids, grabbed the title, headed over to my sister's house, gave him the van, and we're driving back. Everybody squeezed in the little beetle. <laughs> and uh, struggling, struggling. It's like, <laughs> you know how you are. You're, I'm trying to keep her all up, and she's probably trying to keep me encouraged. But we know we just made a gift that hurt. It hurt to do that. It was hard. And uh, anyway, we're, we get over it, and we're, we're going. We're doing our life. We make some adjustments, and we got our Volkswagen. 
And uh, several weeks later, there was a um, March for Jesus. Anybody remember March for Jesus years ago? Anybody? I see some heads shaking. Well, in our town, we have this March for Jesus, and it's where all the Christians get together. And actually, it was my hometown. It's about 20 miles away, but... Um, all the Christians get together and they have this big parade and they got these big banners and singing songs. Lord, I lift your name on high. You remember all those songs back then? Anyway, that came from that. And uh, so we're over there. Um, they've got this going on. And I'm in a band and I play the guitar in this band. And we're going over. When the parade gets to the center of town, there's this park. And everybody's going to come in, and the band's going to start playing, and, and we're going to have this worship time. And uh, so we're, we're getting ready to go over there because the band's got to get ready. And uh, so we load the family up in the car. We've got the kids in the back, and uh, Jeannie's sitting right next to me, real close. <clears throat> and she's got my guitar. Uh, she's got the case down between her legs and the necks right up here, and we're all squeezed in, and here we go. And we're doing the work of God, and we're cruising. And it's about 20 miles away, and I guess, and we're, we're driving down the highway, and we're going, and Jeannie goes, and we're driving along, and she goes, you smell something burning? And so, yeah, yeah, I think I do. And as soon as I said that, the car breaks down. And so I... Push the clutch in and coast as far as you can because that's what you do because you think it makes a difference. <laughs> <clears throat> so, we, so we get to the side, you know, we get to the side of the road and it's not turning over and uh, we're stuck. And we're like, God, now what, now what are we going to do? And uh, so we call somebody, hey, something's wrong with the car and we're talking about it and a little piece of advice. If your car is ever leaking oil and the oil leak stops, check your oil. <laughs> Leaks don't fix themselves. So the motor was froze up. It wasn't going to work. Uh, we got a ride in. We did the concert, did all of that, and then somebody gave us a ride home. I don't even remember who it was. And we get back home, and we're just deflated. We're just like, man, God, we were out doing your work. We've got this ministry going on. We gave away our best vehicle, and here we are without a car. And we talked to some friends and family about it, and, and they're like saying, just go out and borrow the money and get you a new car. And we were tempted to do that, but the thing was, we had made a commitment that we weren't going to go into debt. And so there we were. And, you know, we were at that moment where I'm just like, God, I know we're doing what's right. I know we're doing what's right, I, but I just don't know why you're not answering our prayer. We sowed seed. We did all these things. We, we were saying the Scriptures. You know the Scriptures to say. Hundredfold. All of that stuff we were saying, and it just wasn't, it just wasn't coming. And so we're there. But we may do. And uh, so one night we're sitting in the living room because we didn't have a car. <laughs> <clears throat> and uh, hear a noise in the driveway. Rum, 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 rum. I hear a motor rumbling and, and look out the window and it's Rodney. 
And Rodney and Michelle were friends of ours, the first people we met when we moved to this town. And uh, they came, they were great people, and they helped us with our ministry and everything. And uh, Rodney was this big guy, he's tall, wide, and he's not fat, he's big. He's a big fella, he could carry a refrigerator by himself, big guy. And he never said a word, he just didn't talk, he just, Rodney, he was just Rodney. But he, he gets out of the car and he comes up and I open the door. Hey, Rodney, how you doing, bud? And he just hands me some keys, holds them out, and he goes, it's a loner. Hey, thanks. Thanks, Rodney. And he, Don't worry about it. And uh, turns around and leaves. So we go out to the driveway and we look at the car, and it's an old El Camino, painted red, um, Bench seat in the front, you know, El Camino's just got one seat, and bench seat in the front can fit, fit like three people or the entire Burns family. <laughs> yeah, and so, so that's what we had, and, and you know, I remember at this, at this juncture, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, God, that's, that's still not what I had in mind, because that's not where we were thinking, right? And I was thinking, it's a loner. You know, at first, God, I wouldn't have picked that car. I wouldn't have picked that out. <laughs> and then it's a loner. It's not even our car, and so it, it, it only helps us temporarily. Let me tell you something. It really doesn't matter whose name is on the title. It doesn't matter whose name is on the deed, whose name is on the bank account. It's all loners. Amen. It's all a loner. Because it all belongs to God. He's the Father. He has it all. We're His children. He wants us to share. He does. This is a lesson we're learning. I hadn't learned it yet. (laughs) And so, we have this bad attitude. And, you know, I was just really um, thinking about, you know, God, man, a nicer car would have been better. Something we could have kept. (laughs) You know, you know. Just being honest. But so, what I failed to realize was that Rodney, now him and Michelle didn't have a lot. He had a, he had a manual labor job. He didn't make much money. They had three small kids. And, you know, small house. And this, this was Rodney and Michelle. And you know, I think he probably went through a little struggle too. I think what was going on, Rodney was in, in his little box and God came to him and said, you need to take that car over for John and Jeannie. And you know, he probably struggled and he probably said, God, that's my only car. And he probably had to call his friend and say, hey, I need a ride to work from now on if you can help me out. But I didn't think about that. But that's exactly what was going on in Rodney's world. So we got over it, and we did well. We made do, and and everything's good, and we're going along. And I would like to tell you that it wasn't much longer after that we had a Mercedes-Benz sitting in the driveway that belonged to us. I don't get too excited. So we got a gift of $1,000 from um, somebody who was very dear to us. Uh, They brought us $1,000. 
And they said, use this for your car fund. Okay, thanks. And so we put it with the money that we had. And uh, we went to a car lot. And we couldn't go to the regular car lot. Couldn't afford anything there. We went to this car lot. It was an old gas station. And they just painted it all white, put cars out. You guys know what I'm talking about. And uh, so there were three cars on the lot that we could afford. And two of them we didn't think were going to make it off the lot. <laughs> so we went to this car, and it was a 1977 Mercedes something. Don't know what it was. It had uh, rusted fenders. Uh, smelled like gasoline. It actually ran on gasoline, not, not diesel. But it smelled like gasoline. And inside, it smelled like old car, and it squeaked a little bit. But you know what? That thing got us everywhere we needed to go. It fit the whole family, and it belonged to us, and we were in good shape. And you know what? That car lasted until we were able to get a van, and then another van, and then we started giving away more cars, and then people gave us cars, and we gave away more cars. And, and it was really interesting how all that was working. And you know what? God's blessed us throughout that entire time. And I wonder what I would have missed, because it was amazing to watch how God works. But I wonder what I would have missed when God spoke to my heart, when I was on the phone, and God said, give away your van, I wonder what I would have missed if I would have just went, ah, that doesn't make sense. Amen. I wonder what I would have missed. I wonder what I would have missed if I would have, if I would have said, okay, you guys think I ought to borrow the money for a car? Okay, I'll do that. What would I have missed? What would Rodney have missed? And uh, it's all about trust. It really is. There's a scripture in Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7 and 8. It says this, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the water, and will not fear when the heat comes. You ever had the heat come? Amen. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, and whose hope is in the Lord. Well, I've got, uh, my daughters are going to come up, and they're going to uh, play a song. Uh, for us, but I want to go back to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths, or He shall direct your paths. So when things don't make sense, we run to refuge in the Lord. Even though we're exercising our faith and it just doesn't seem like it's coming, our expectation is not in what we imagine the answer is going to be. Our expectation is that God hears us and God is going to give us exactly what we need when we need it. Amen? Amen. Amen. You guys about ready? Well, let's pray.
Father, thank you so much for your word, and thank you that we can trust in you. Thank you that you are the God that created the universe. You are the God that has done all of the miracles that we read about, and you're the same God that lives inside of us. And you, Lord, see us in everything, and you see our situations, and you see what we're going through. And Father, regardless of what we're going through, Lord God, remind us that we can trust in you And as we place our trust in you, we will be like tree planted by the waters. And we will be taken care of by you. I ask that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Well, you know, I don't know where you are in uh, your walk. But it could be a physical thing. illness, health. It could be a relationship. It could be a financial thing. I just want to encourage you today that you can trust in God. Let's keep saying the Scriptures. Let's keep believing. Let's keep doing that. And then we wait. And then we let God do His thing. And we set our expectation on the fact that God does hear us. And it may not come, and it probably won't come in the form that we thought it would. But we trust in the Lord with all our heart. Lean not on our own understanding. In all our ways, acknowledge Him. He'll direct our paths. As my daughter sings, if you guys, you can sing along with her. But I'd just like you to take a self-inventory. Where am I right now with that? Am I struggling with something? And just give you an opportunity to give that to God. Amen? Amen. Something
Praise the Lord. Thank you, ladies. Thank you, John. That was so wonderful. Amen. Amen. It was. We want to pray with you today. Our prayer partners are coming. And if there's any area in your life that you want to commit to trust God concerning, come and let them pray with you today. That would be the thing that can release your faith and your trust and have all your needs met in Jesus' name. Like I said, Pastor will be back on Sunday, but we want to see you on Wednesday night, okay? God bless. Have a great week. You may be dismissed.